Hello and welcome to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. I'm Senior Reporter Max Miller and this week I'm speaking to Glenn Kalein, Executive Director for Sport at the EBU by their newly launched streaming platform, Eurovision Sport. Eurovision Sport is, a, is an initiative from the EBU, the European Broadcasting Union, uh, where I work. And uh, it's basically a streaming platform for sport, uh, for free consumption um, across, across Europe and the world. Uh, where rights are where rights permit, um, and in complete collaboration and with the complete cooperation of the EBU members, who are the free-to-air public service media organisations of Europe. Um, so we'll be across initially over 50 markets, but we hope to grow that, and we launch with initially seven sports federations, but we hope to grow that as well. What's unique about it is it's free, which uh, which is important. I think I think what we what we want to try and do with with Eurovision Sport is is make it a destination for sports fans. We've noticed that you know, and the UK is no different to any other market that there's a huge uh, amount of direct to consumer uh, sports plays, a huge amount of subscriptions required to to watch sport, and it's um, you know basically not a great consumer experience. So. What we want to try and do is, with in collaboration with our members, uh, work on on the complementarity of our offering. So, if an event isn't fully available via our members, we will make sure that the um, that it is fully available for free to consume uh, via Eurovision Sport. So, uh, it is completely complementary to what what our members do, uh, and should enhance the offering that they can bring to their to the to the general public. You know, in some markets, it's not possible for us to integrate fully with our members because of regulation. We'll be selling advertising and sponsorship to fund the platform. And that's not always possible, such as with the BBC or with ZDF or ARD in Germany. And we'll work with the blessing of the BBC or with the blessing of, of ARD, ZDF in those markets to, to enhance the offering to the public. But it's, it's in the name of public service media, regardless of, of, of our, whether we're integrated or not with our member platforms. Yes, that was going to be my next question, actually. How will it be monetized? And will it be, yeah, as you're saying, advertising and sponsorship will be the main ones. Yeah, well, yeah, it's advertising sponsorship um, to fund it. I mean, we, we're, we're not asking our members to pay for anything. We're not asking our federation partners to pay for anything. We are asking them to promote. So because we, you know, we believe that, you know, with the promotion from the federations and our members, you know, we can, we can, we've, we've got access to, to, to huge, a huge market out there. Uh, I mean, the EBU and EBU members cover almost a billion people across the continent of Europe. And, you know, I don't, you don't need to be a genius to work at that even a small proportion of that is a quite a sizable market. So, you know, uh, we're, we're looking at kind of by and large tier two type sports, you know, a lot of Olympic sports, a lot of sports that we already have contracts with. You know, athletics, gymnastics, you know, aquatics, biathlon, and and a, and a whole range of other other Olympic sports that we hope to bring on board or or, or access uh, from our from our uh, already quite substantial kind of portfolio. So, you know, promotion is key, uh, distribution is key, and you know, it, it it's about kind of I suppose reasserting the position of public service media in the sports landscape in in Europe. I mean, we are a very important part of that landscape. For, for a whole range of different reasons, not just kind of buying sports rights, but actually, the, you know, the profile and the distribution we provide to, to, to sport is hugely important in terms of sports being able to, to, to sell sponsorship and, and get their athletes out there and encourage new, new athletes to, to take up their sports. So, so um, it's about kind of just enhancing that 
and and uh, you know for the digital age. Uh, so so it's an exciting time for us, and we we really believe we we've, we've got something different and unique to offer here. How long has it been in the works? I guess when we were first planning it, and I can understand if some of those conversations at first going to a broadcaster and saying we're going to do our own platform how did they go it started you know when i took over the role of exec executive director of eurovision sport it was june 2020 so that was part of my 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 pitch for the job the first thing was we need to get the olympics rights back and the second one was um we need a, a digital platform they were the two big big statements uh, kind of Risky, risky kind of thing to go out on a limb on, but I said, look, you know, you may as well, as uh, Roy Keane once said, you may as well be hung for a sheep as a lamb. So uh, I went for it, and uh, we, you know, with a, with a great team here, uh, we we built that up. We, we were able to land the Olympics um, at the beginning of of twenty three of twenty three, and this is, um, you know, this was the next uh, stage of it. We, we, you know, we brought in a great partner in Nagra Nagra Vision uh, Kudelski Group. The Swiss-based entity that you know, have uh, companies in, in in the states in Phoenix, Arizona. They have entities in, in the UK and Norway and, and Spain. So you know, large company with the tech infrastructure. You know, and they they they've come in as partners here. They put a, you know put a lot of investment into this, uh, and we bring the content and the connection with our members. So it's been four years really in the making. Being business casing, we've had a, uh, outside expertise advising us on that business case. It's a very conservative business plan. It's something that we're going to uh, evolve and we're going to iterate over the next two, three years uh, and really grow it. Uh, but we believe there is a space here for us and the, with the support of our members and our partner federations, we believe we can really grow it. That, that, that amazing ability to reach audiences is something that, that we, we really want to harness. Uh, and it's really, it's really a part of the USP here uh, and something that uh, you know gives us uh, an added advantage in this space because they're you know marketing is so important when you're launching direct to consumer and it's really important that people are aware of it and that whole aggregation of sports together is also hugely important you know it's it's a question of uh, you know the whole being greater than the sum of the parts just as just as these multi-sport events like the olympics or the european championships in in 2022 and 2018 proved even even smaller so-called niche sports can deliver substantial audiences when they're working together with other sports in terms of that kind of the content and what it's going to be showing how will that work alongside the broadcasters so obviously you mentioned kind of wraparound content i think it said in the press release but what exactly does that mean well basically it's it's a you know there's there's kind of three three use cases so if there's no taker so if it's a so-called dark market for us that's quite a simple case Uh, the platform takes that content if we weren't able to achieve either a member or a commercial partner buying the, the rights in a certain territory, we will just simply stream on the platform in that territory. That may be streamed via our platform, which is fully embedded in our member platform, or, or and as, you know, embedded in the local federation platform. And the second use case is where a member owns the rights but is unable to broadcast those rights. You, you get it quite often with, say, underage events, under 20s, under 23s, where members just simply haven't got the, you know, the the the, the kind of the, the the resource to to produce and and uh, populate their schedules with that type of content. Again, we will we will uh, or we will hope our members will redirect to us. Uh, and uh, if if our members are showing a portion of that tournament, we will redirect back to them. So we we did some piloting during the summer of last year 
with France Television for the European Indoor Athletics Championships in uh, and uh, uh, France Tele uh, were streaming the afternoon evening sessions. Uh, so we directed anybody who came to the Eurovision Sport platform at that stage, the pilot of it, we redirected to France Tele and then we did the morning sessions, so the qualifying sessions and France Television were directing to us. So that's a really interesting use case where the entirety of an event can be given exposure in a market you know, serving the federation partner, serving the audience, the kind of core fans, I suppose, but also then enhancing the the offering of the member and being able to redirect fans to to their platform, so discoverability becomes easier. And and um, and then obviously, if there's an event available in a territory where we don't have rights and our members are showing it all, we just redirect uh, completely to to the member in that territory. So they're the kind of the three use cases, and obviously. It, you know, the, the level of whether we're embedded, integrated, or whether we're kind of uh, standing parallel depends on the regulatory framework in that territory. Is a member permitted to sell advertising? Is a member permitted to promote promote us? That's all dependent on the regulation and, and legal situation in that territory. Okay, so it could actually, I mean, assume not in the UK, because the BBC obviously can't share advertising, but in other territories, it could be actually embedded in the broadcaster's platform, basically. Correct, yeah. And we can, you know, we can work with, you know, ITV are also members, and, and we'll be we'll be talking to them about you know is there is there a use case that we could develop with them? So with BBC and ITV in the same market, we have other other markets with two members, uh, like in Norway, TV2 and NRK, or in Ireland, TG4 and, and RTE. So you know we you know we will work with all our members and, and and offer them opportunities to to be involved and welcome them on board because this is not about exclusivity; it's about it's about ensuring that. The audience uh, gets put first, and 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 can, you know we can generate more eyeballs for for these sports, which which deserve to be watched by more. Yeah, definitely. And you obviously you mentioned earlier you worked with Nagravision to create the platform. Basically, um, what kind of technological offerings are there? Obviously, it's a streaming platform. Is there on-demand content as well? Is there things like you know, timeline highlights or polls and interactivity? Yeah, I mean, I, I we, it will be be streaming live. There will be on-demand. Um, there will be, you know, kind of highlights and clips. There will be also kind of language facilities you know, because we cover so many markets. You know, we've got so many different languages. We will have uh, we will have an application uh, integrated within the within the service within a matter of weeks, which will be voice to text translation for for up to twenty languages, we believe. But we're also working on. I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not an expert in this space, but it's voice to text to voice. So therefore, okay. you'll have a kind of a synthetic commentary. You will also pay for real commentators to actually do, uh, you know, different languages. Um, but but we want to offer as many languages as we possibly can because that localization is absolutely key. And you know, I think obviously the the, the voice to text will will offer opportunities, uh, you know, in terms of accessibility as well. Um, so you know, again, it's not only about kind of different languages for for different markets. It's about accessibility in those markets as well. You know, another thing worth mentioning about the platform and it's one of the things that we are extremely proud of, but also really want to, to drive is, is, is gender diversity. You know, that we are, you know, kind of public service media across Europe, BBC, ITV in the UK, leading the way on, on, on kind of women's, women's sport. We are, we offer, we offer almost completely gender, gender, um, um, diverse, um, kind of serve, uh, service of, of sports. You know, we, you know, not only athletics, gymnastics, and, sw- and swimming and aquatic sports, but you know, and biathlon. But like we recently introduced into our portfolio, you know, uh, Tour de France Femme, um, you know, Vuelta Espana Femenina, 
um, so cycling, and obviously we were key players in delivering the media rights for the FIFA Women's World Cup just gone uh, in 2023, you know, including the UK, Germany, France, Spain, Italy. And, um, you know, we, we were working with FIFA to see can we work on new initiatives with the platform and FIFA Plus to try and, you know, further that expansion of, of, of the popularity of women's football in particular across Europe. So, we, you know, platform will play a key role in, in that strategy together with FIFA, we hope. Yeah, that's a good point. The making it free to air and trying to grow that reach. Do you think that's obviously a massively important thing for women's sport? Seen recently, DAZN even letting people watch stuff for free on their platform. So is that part of the idea? I guess to try and grow it to the point where it's then with men's sport. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I, I, I think uh, that's always been the way. When you look at when the Champions League launched initially back in the nineties, you know, free to air. You know, the Champions League was by and large free to air. I think if you look at uh, you know you know, even even sports like like rugby when they were launching the um, the European um, what was called the Heineken Cup back in back when I was the head of sport at, at RTE long long time ago, um you know that sport th- that that those competitions were free to wear and then gradually migrated towards towards pay as they became more popular. But but they need to be and, and I think there's an understanding that that's part of, of you know if, you know free to wear will have done a great job if if certain aspects of, of women's football become you know kind of pay because then you're at a, at a level where it's it's critical mass but i don't you know there's a lot of markets in europe and there's an awful lot of markets worldwide where that's it's still a, a kind of a bit of a pipe dream and we need to really work on it you know we've worked with uh, sarai berman and the people at fifa on women's football and, and we really want to work with them uh, more closely into the future try and grow it because it's not a given while it's popular in the uk and it's popular in in, in ireland because the broadcasters like bbc and itv have got behind it uh, and rte and and, and, and tg4 in, in ireland as well it, you know, that cannot that, that's not unfortunately the case in every market in europe it's not a it's not ubiquitously popular across every market so there's work to be done and that's just europe and then we can also work on work worldwide because we have affiliate members associate members in, in many countries like canada cbc canada tvnz and um, you know pb uh, um, uh, sbs in in australia and uh, abc in australia and hk in japan so we've lots of members that we can work with in the, under the same model and same circumstance uh, outside of europe more widely in both men's and women's sport do you see this as part of sports returning to free-to-air tv again to try and get that reach you've seen obviously yourselves picking up the Olympic rights again. Um, things like cricket in the UK has looked for a free-to-air window or the WSL made sure it was also on the BBC as well as Sky Sports and things like that. Do you think federations and similar are seeing the value of free-to-air, free-to-air to reach more viewers? Yeah, I think it's always, it's always been there. Um, I think, I think, I think what, you know, what, what is, what has been realized now is that it does play a very an increasingly important role in the, in the overall ecosystem. There's room, there's room for pay and there's room for free. You know, certain sports are, are kind of 100% behind the paywall. Certain sports are 100% free. And, you know, I think, you know, even in there, there's, there's room for, for maneuvering between the two. Um, you know, I think free does play a big role in terms of just keeping the profile high. You can see a lot of world events, like, you know, even the things like the Champions League final, um, you know, increasingly being made available free. Um, you can see that, you know, kind of, Sports like the NFL, federation like the NFL uh, with the Super Bowl, you know, they want to try and make that a free to air kind of global event. Um, and, and obviously you see things like the World Cup, the European Football Championships, both male and female, 
being on free. You know, it's important that we, we get those moments that, that bring people together. I think Europe is particularly well established because we have, you know, um, protected events legislation that, that does protect that for the public. But that being said, I think those events, you know, those those world events being on free is, is, is hugely beneficial to the sport and, and uh, can, can help generate income in other parts of the forest, you know, sponsorship income, etc., um, you know the the, the IOC have, have a commitment, a, a commit, big commitment to, to keeping, um, you know, at least 200 hours of the summer games uh, on free to wear. Um, that's been exceeded in Europe uh, through our deal uh, and our collaboration with uh, with Discovery Warner Brothers Discovery. You know, you know, many many markets have have more hours on free, uh, but but the two the two parties can work very very comfortably together. Discovery get their part and we get our part and and. Uh, it's a it's a very it's a very good collaboration and very very good partnership. Mm-hmm. And well, speaking of the Olympics as well, I'm assuming that will mostly be shown through your through your members' part, platforms rather than your own. But um, and at the point at the moment, you focus quite a lot on Olympic sports. Um, but you mentioned you might want to grow that. So kind of where could that go next? You know, be looking to grow within the Olympics or everything else too. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's a lot of Olympic sports out there. I mean, I think one of the things is, you know, the Olympics is the pinnacle of, of many sports, you know, and um, I think what happened, what we've what we've seen is that a lot of that those sports kind of disappear um, for large periods of time, and they don't, they, you know, they're not seen a lot, and they're not available or to not easy easily you're not easily able to find them between the Olympics. So I think there's definitely an opportunity to keep the um, visibility of those sports high in between the games, you know. So, so that's something we'd look at. We'd love to look at and love to work with federations. Um, I think, I think we can offer uh, visibility to sports that are even behind the paywall. Um, you know, that the, you know, there could be carve outs can can be to the benefit of of the federation or the rights holder, uh, and to to the public. You know, that we can make certain events free. We can be a distribution path for that, uh, and also be a way to for. Uh, other streamers to to kind of get to to new audiences as well. So I mean, again, we're not we're not saying we, you know we're we're not saying we want to compete against people. We 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 want to work with everybody. Actually, we want to try and ensure that this uh, platform is for the benefit of the public by and large and our and our members and public service media. But that that includes a whole broad church of, of sports that are, are free and pay. And I think we can we can make a difference. Uh, we can we, you know we can bring introduce sports to to new audiences all across Europe and the world. Okay, and as a final question, obviously it's an Olympic year this year, but in four years' time, ahead of LA 28, where would you hope Eurovision Sport to be? What would be your, what would be the growth plan? Uh, well, the, gro- the growth plan is, is to get to over 19 million unique users. So, so that's, you know, again, that we believe that's eminently achievable given that we're facing this, this almost 1 billion people in Europe alone. And with the support and uh, support of our partners, our federation partners, and our members, we believe we can really get there. And we just want it to be a real staple of the ecosystem, um, and something that people automatically will download the app and or watch it via our member platforms. And uh, something that that it, you know we've made a name for ourselves as as a place to go for for sporting events, um, and a place where people can easily find the sport they want because. You know, we we believe that there's there's probably it's become a very difficult place for for people to navigate uh, currently when they want to try and find the sport that they they love and and we believe we can we can provide a home for everybody and uh, a destination for for all sports fans. 
Thanks for listening to the Broadcast Sport podcast. You can find more of our content at broadcastnow.co.uk slash broadcast-sport. Meanwhile, make sure to subscribe and we'll see you for the next one.